Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Good time so far, right? This is beautiful. Mm, lots of tears. This is my favorite kind of church. Um, when you're feeling all kinds of things, from joy to tears and testimonies and unplanned stuff. Um, so I just want to, um, I, I went, I had to go to the bathroom to wipe my nose a few minutes ago. I know it's TMI, but I just, and I just stepped in the bathroom, was taking care of myself. And I was just like, God, like, uh, what was in my heart to pray to him was, God, just come and like suck all the oxygen out of the atmosphere. And I, I didn't mean like literally like, so we can't breathe. I, I meant, you know, that expression, like when someone's taking all the oxygen out of the room, it's just like they're on stage, they're talking. I just had this, this thing inside of me that, that just had absolutely no desire to be on this stage. Um, just, uh, and and that, that's, not, no, that's not to feel bad for me. It's just that I, I just want Jesus to just, just, just take center stage in this church. Uh, and so just like, God, whatever you want to do today. And so I've got a word on my heart. Uh, I don't have a massive clarity as far as what I, I think God wants to do today, so I'm just going to go with what I've, what I've got, and then if God is speaking to you, just do what he says. Is that a deal? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, I, I did hear a, a very uh, kind and nice young lady came up to me, um, and she shared a testimony. She said, uh, Brock. Do you guys know Brock? Is it Brock Lane? Yeah. Is he in here today? Is he, is he, is, where is he? He's in the, uh, the broadcast room. Well, Brock is serving in the broadcast room, but yesterday was, Brock, could you come out just for a second and stand at the door just so we can see you just like right there. He's, I don't know if you can like right over there. There he is. <laughs> yesterday, two years sober and off drugs for Brock. <laughs> Come on. Thanks, man. Hey, man. Well, Brock, we just say what God started, he's going to finish in you. All right? You keep serving, buddy. We're thankful for you. All right, blessings. So to bring that up. So hey, this, this, uh, this morning, here's the word on my heart, is, uh, is that Jesus is worth it all. Yeah. He is absolutely, hands down, no doubt about it, worth it all. There is no need to guard your life from it, uh, in any capacity from him. And I think that, that many times when we begin to follow Jesus, that many of us know the kind of following of Jesus where we give him parts of us, half of us, most of us, even 75 to 85% of us. And it feels really good and it feels really, really nice and maybe our life is improving, but we know that we have places in our lives that are not surrendered to him, that we actually, that 15% that remains is actually a treasure and a prize that we hold higher than him or we, the treasure and the prize is actually ourselves that we trust more than Jesus. And I, I just believe that this morning that Jesus is kindly 
through the lens of love, asking for the remainder of our hearts. Did you, have you ever heard of the, the Knights Templar or the Templar Knights? I don't know how you pronounce it. But there's a, and I don't, I, I'm pretty sure this is true. I, I, I saw it on TV. Um, but I, I, that, that the Templar Knights, when they were baptized as servants of God, that they would, that they would be baptized, but they'd hold their sword arm out of the water. In other words, they're dedicating their whole lives to Jesus ex, except for their sword. And I think that many of us, when we come to Jesus, we're holding something out of the water. It's just, it's just something that we're going to say like, hey, most of me. Just not all of me. Maybe it's a wallet that you hold out. Uh, maybe it's a relationship that you hold out. Maybe it's the way you do relationship. Do you know that the Bible says not to have sex before marriage? <laughs> News flash. It does. <laughs> What's getting popular today in the culture is to hold that outside of the water. Um, what, uh, it's, in other words, what we're doing is we're like, Jesus, you can have most. Not all. And what, what the gospel actually invites us to, not in a demeaning, demanding kind of way, and it doesn't invite us into a life of perfection because we're not going to be perfect till we see Jesus, but the gospel invites us into this wild thrill ride of actually trusting Jesus with every part of our hearts. Um, and... Uh, and it's simply because he is worth it. Now, this, uh, the, where I want to go with this uh, this morning is Mark chapter 10. And it's a story, starting with verse 17, it's a story that we know. My Bible says the story of the rich young man. Uh, I think the NIV says it's the rich young ruler. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about this guy except that he tracks Jesus down. He has a very important question. And then he leaves Jesus once Jesus answers. <laughs> he gets excited for a moment. He thinks, okay, Jesus really gets me. I think I can make this work. I think I can, I can still be the captain of my own ship. I think I can still architect my own destiny, and Jesus can help me out. And Jesus burst onto his scene, looking at him in love, and says, I don't want to help you out. I, I want to be your all. So I'm going to read this to you. It's, it's Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 17, and it says this. And as he was setting out on his journey, that's Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him, that's the rich young man, and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So what this, here's the man's question, here's why he runs up to Jesus, he wants to know how to get to heaven. It's a good question, right? How do I get to heaven? Many people are asking that question. Uh, some people need to be asking that question that feel invincible, but we're all going to, this, this earthly body will pass away one day. Do you know that? Yeah. There, there's a, a, all, all kinds of revelation today, all right? Just the, just the basics. But this is a good question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers. He says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus right away is answering his question saying, are you talking to me as the Messiah? Are you talking to me as as the son of God? Are you talking to me as the eternally begotten son of God, the God in the flesh? Or are you just talking to me as, as someone that you want some info from? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, the young man responds to this. He, he's he's kind of like, yes, Jesus, this is awesome. I've done all these things from my youth. Which actually this response only shows his blindness. He thinks 
that he has perfectly followed the law that Jesus just put out from his youth. In other words, he doesn't have a heart of repentance. (laughs) And look at verse 21. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Don't you love that? And said to him, you lack one thing. Now, in my Bible, I underline anytime the Bible says one thing, because it's all throughout the Bible. doesn't matter what translation you read. Uh, one thing shows up all the time. Heart of King David, Psalm 27, four. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing upon his beauty, inquiring in his temple. All right? Um, the uh, uh, Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha's complaining about it. And Jesus says to Martha, the complaining one, I'm not going to take this one thing away from her. All right? One thing is a massive concept biblically. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now this... This passage startles me. And if you continue to read, it it startles more. You have to do that on your own. But it's startling to me that we've got a a man here that tracks Jesus down, doesn't walk up, runs up, lays this question at his feet. It would would be a great, any person asking this in a Sunday school class in any church, the, the teacher would go wild with excitement. What do I need to do to be saved? How do I go to heaven? How do I gain eternal life? And the way that Jesus answers this, though, is the, is, is the very intriguing part. Because first he lays down, you do, know who, do you know who you're talking to? And, and number two, Jesus lays down the law, and this guy actually is encouraged by the law that Jesus laid down. Don't you know that nobody is saved by the law? The law is used to show us that we need a Savior. Do you know that? So when we're faced with the law, we're supposed to say, oh, no. Oh, holy cats. That's it? That is woohoo. And but when Jesus lays down the law, this guy blind blind to his own heart says, that's me. I I, I, I that is me. This is so interesting. This is I do I this is this is bingo. This is me. And I want to talk about this just, just for a moment. I think there's, I want us to see two things about the rich ruler that, important, that are important for today. And here's the first one, that this rich man wants to go to heaven, but doesn't necessarily want Jesus. You see that? This, this rich person wants, wants to go to heaven on their own righteousness. But when Jesus invites them to get rid of your treasure... And come follow me as a better one. This person goes away disheartened because he's just not good with that. He's not trusting Jesus as his treasure. I think so many of us have received a gospel where we use Jesus to figure out how to get to heaven, but we don't give a rip for Jesus himself. So the rich man wants to get to heaven, but he doesn't actually want Jesus. He wants to go to heaven, and he hopes that Jesus can be a, a good source of information in that department. Jesus to him is just the messenger. 
He has some info for him, but Jesus is in no way the treasure of this man's life. In fact, when it comes up to what is your treasure, because Jesus does operate in a lot of kingdom wisdom, Jesus gets to the very heart and says, do you want me or do you want what you have? Because, because in your case, you can't have two treasures. That's, not, that's a kingdom divided against itself, and it doesn't stand. The, uh, in verse 21b, Jesus says, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. Now, I, I want to stop right there. This is not how a person gets saved. Okay? This is not how a person gets saved. We know it's, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is not how you get saved. This is, is Jesus saying there's something in, you, in your life that you love and value more than me. And so the rich man's response is he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. In other words, I wanted heaven, just not you. I, I, want, I want the information that you can give me so I can go to heaven and not have to change a thing about me. This is one of my great concerns for the church in these days. I, I'm, I'm happy as I'm saying this because I, I'm not depressed as I'm saying this because I know Jesus, it, if you let, if, if you Take a glance at Jesus, he'll capture your heart in an instant. I, I'm, not, I'm not concerned in a, in a heartless, hopeless kind of way. I, I, I'm just concerned because I, I think that we've been shared a false gospel. Yes. It's one of my great concerns for the church that we've heard a gospel message that says, here's how to get to heaven. So heaven is the goal. We have not heard a gospel that has anything to do, like our, our even definition of faith has nothing to do with the affections of our heart being turned on for Jesus. So faith in the church as we've known it is a heartless mental decision to go to heaven using Jesus. That's not the gospel. Has nothing to, that, that, that has nothing to do with treasuring Jesus. In fact, I've heard, I've heard some of the elite speakers in the world saying things like, you know, witnessing to people on an airplane. Like, now if this plane goes down, wouldn't you want to go to heaven? Well, I guess so. If you even think there's a 1% chance that it would go down, don't you just want to kind of be sure? It's like, like fire insurance. So hell, just pray this prayer and ask Jesus into your heart. And say, so someone can just copy the words. Not know Jesus, not love Jesus, not trust Jesus, not treasure Jesus. That's not why Jesus descended heaven's throne, was incarnate and died for the sins of the world. The, the goal in the gospel presentations that we have, and I, I do believe that if we get this right, it'll, it'll release and unlock re revival in our days. The, the fire of the Holy Spirit will not fall on people that have just been using Jesus but don't like him. Yeah. And I believe that the, the, the goal, the, the goal for many of our gospel presentations are streets of gold, not Jesus. Family reunions, not Jesus. Have you, wouldn't you just pray this prayer after me? Grandma Susan would love that. She'd love to see you one day. Well, listen, it's not about Grandma Susan. It's about Jesus. She's great. And that's, that's icing, all right, but if, if you could, if heaven for you is a mansion on streets of gold with grandma Susie and Jesus isn't there, but you have those things and you'd be good, that's not the gospel. It's like this, it's, a, it's like when you buy a pickup truck. 
Someone gets it, you know? It's like when you buy a pickup truck and suddenly people that have not talked to you in years call you up and want to hang out, right? Say, hey, Nathan, how you doing, man? We haven't talked in ages. Like, yeah, this is surprising. Heard you just got a truck. Oh, how's you here? Oh, it's just... We're just blessed for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I thought we'd get out, get together. I don't know if you want to grab breakfast or something. Maybe 8.30 at Home Depot. Oh, are they serving stuff? Oh, they got machines and stuff. I just thought maybe even, I don't know. God just put it on my heart that maybe if you wear some work boots or something, bring your truck. We'll hang out. Oh, okay. So it's a, I see. So you want to use me for my truck, but I haven't heard from you in years. Right? Oh, you want to be friends now? <laughs> yeah. So, and that, this is, this, here's what that is. I'm not interested in you. I'm, I'm interested in what you can do for me. All right? Now, that is not relationship. And if it doesn't work in the horizontal, it doesn't work in, in the vertical with God. That's not how God designed it. There is a give and take. There's a, there's, it's relationship. But listen, God wants you, and he wants to unlock your heart towards him. You have affections in your heart that were not made for video games. You're using the video game and the affections of your heart are maybe turned on to a very minor capacity, but the one who made you for himself wants to unlock the real you to him. Second Corinthians chapter five, this will not be on the screen, but I want to read this to you. Look at this. Look at this. Read this. Get into your own Bible, if you will, or just listen to the, the beautiful sound of my very manly voice. All right. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Come on. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Yes, Lord. Look at verse 18. All this is from God. In other words, this wasn't from you following the Ten Commandments well. All right? You can take Ten Commandments out of whatever you want. All right? You cannot take them out of our heart. Um, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now, now let's look at that for a moment. This new you, this new salvation that you're walking in, this new salvation that you are to behold is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That is the gospel message. The gospel message is not that God made a way for you to get to heaven. The gospel message is through Christ, you've been reconciled. This speaks of relationship to God. The gospel message is not that you go to heaven. The gospel message is that you get God. God is the gospel. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world, not to heaven, but to him not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So when you know God and he turns your heart on, you can't shut up about him. Right. We, we don't need programs to launch that. We need to equip people with this message. Therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And the appeal, the appeal is, I want you, God says. I've, t- I've, I've paid for you to be my son or my daughter. Everything that stood in the way, every, every trespasser, everything that you chose over me and offended a holy God, I have paid for. It's no longer in the way if you would receive it. 
So Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, do you see that this gospel message is not fire insurance for when you die, but this is a complete takeover of your heart. Look at verse 21, for our sake, he made him, that's the father made the son, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, that's Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. That, in my opinion, is one of the top 10 best verses that capture the gospel in the Bible. God is not asking you to be a good boy or a good girl and have perfect this and perfect that and live a really good life and so just be better than the next guy. He's not looking for that. He is not watching you as a show. He is wanting you as a son or daughter. And so the way that he does that is he gives you, through faith, the righteousness of his son. In other words, the son takes the, son takes the payment for your life that you wasted, and you take the blessing of the perfect life of Jesus. This is what happens at the gospel. Is that good? Or how about this one? I can tell you didn't like that. The, the amen stopped. <laughs> Listen to this, 2 Peter 3.18. This is, this, is, this is offensive. It is. I think there's a, there's a lot of us that grew up in traditions that were just basically like, be a good person and do what you want. But Jesus is like, no, I want to take over all of your heart and I want to be in relationship with you. Do you know me is the question he asks. Not did you perform. But, but uh, 2 Peter 3.18 says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Now here's the reason why, that he might bring us to God. Let it simmer let us say, this had the, the goal of the gospel is to save us so we can be his. So we can be sons and daughters, not just to get us out of hell. All right? If fear for hell is driving, <laughs> is driving you more than a wanting of God, keep pressing in, my friends. There's more in that department. Listen to this, though. So the rich man wants to go to heaven, but he doesn't want Jesus. And I'm just saying that, that the, the life with Jesus is our hearts wanting him. More and more and more and more and more. Is anybody worthy? He is. And our hearts uncorking at that declaration. That our, our hearts obsessing in that direction. Our, our lives coming into the beauty of what that says. I was going to rabbit trail. Let, let me stay down this road. This is so the rich man wants to go to heaven but doesn't want Jesus. And here's another thing I want us to see here. That the rich man is trusting his own righteousness for heaven. And he's trusting his own possessions for happiness. Okay? Look at verse 20 where the rich man says, All these I have kept from my youth. That's the, that's the commandments. Or I can earn or I deserve heaven on my own. And so he gets very excited. This is the message of religion that you can earn your salvation. This is the message of, of religion that if you're just a little bit better than the rest, you can get to heaven. But this is also just seeing that this man can't part with his wealth. It is showing that he is trusting in his possessions for happiness. And I want to tell you that God is not against your happiness. He actually made your heart to get happy when he shows up. This is, this is your, your heart. If you're, if you're 
trusting something other than Jesus for the, for the gladness of your soul. That, that's called sin. Sin is not underperforming for God. Sin is underpreferring God whom you were made for. So verse, verse 21 and, and verse 22 of this passage, Jesus invites this guy to do one thing. Go sell your idols and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now this sell all is Jesus not, is not giving a biblical mandate for everyone who comes to him to basically take a vow of poverty. Some people preach that. I think that God wants us blessed. I just don't think, I think God uh, doesn't want our hearts captivated and captured by creation, but the creator by him, right? And then, and then this man obviously is using his wealth as an idol instead of having wealth as a steward, and so he's, it, Jesus is getting to this man's heart, he's getting to this man's treasure, and he's getting to this man's trust. Now, this man reminds me a lot of the Apostle Paul before the Apostle Paul knew Jesus. And the Apostle Paul testifies to how his life used to be or how it was in Philippians chapter 3. This is my favorite passage of the entire Bible. It's Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 3. It says this, Paul is speaking, for we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, I, I have reason to think that I could earn salvation on my own. Here's why. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. In other words, I did everything. I crossed every T. I dotted every I. I had everything as far as religion goes working in my favor. But then Paul says in verse 7, he shatters what he once had as his treasure and what he once had as his trust and what he once had as his future. In verse 7, he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All that stuff, it was beckoning me to trust it. All my performance, all of my background, all of my lineage, all of my legacy, all of my everything. All my legalism, all of my T-crossing and I-dotting, all of my knowledge and all of my rules following, I had it all going for me, but whatever gain I had, I surrendered it as nothing compared to Jesus. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. This is what lights up the soul of a believer. God, I had all these other things, but I repented. I found that they are inferior to you. You are far superior to them and your ability to bring me joy and you are my trust and you are my God and you are my everything. And he decided, that's Paul decided here, that Jesus is far superior to all else, which is a very different decision than the rich young guy did because the rich young guy decided that though he wants to go to heaven, his stuff is superior to Jesus. 
Now, some of us here might have an objection, and the objection might be something like this. Nathan, like, you're putting this on heavy. <laughs> you're putting this on, this on so thick. Like, what about grace? Well, this is grace. <laughs> uh, like, well, what about, like, isn't something better than nothing? Like you're saying, like, don't give Jesus 85%, but, you know, isn't that better than nothing? It's a fair question, I guess. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, like, I haven't given God all, but I've given him most. Wouldn't he be proud of me? Well, the, the, the problem that you have before God is not that he's not proud of you. That's not what's standing in the way. When he looks on you, he loves you. That's not the issue, my friends. How about this? How about this? If we'd say, isn't 85% enough? How many of us um, would stand at the altar and when you pledge your vows to your spouse, I'm getting ready this August, August 5th, 21 years of holy matrimony, wedded bliss, all right? I would not have been excited if, if I would have plow, pledged my whole life, 100% to my wife, Adrian, and then Adrian says, and Nathan, I vow to love you and to, to be with you 85%. I would have been like a, excuse me? No, repeat that again because I thought that you just said 85% and so we're, we're both coming in here like 100%. Marriage is not 50-50. You don't meet in the middle. You just give all, both sides, all. All right? We get it when it comes to that. Agent, what are you doing with the other 15%? Oh, who knows? May I date a little here? May I do a little that? May I do a little this? It's just 15%. Get off my case. Get off my case. I've seen so many, so many people are getting married in these days. I haven't seen anybody be okay with 85%. Well, why do we make provision for these things that we would never do in the flesh? Why? 85%, I'm giving you most. Just shut up and be happy about it. What? Well, that's not how God made us. God didn't make us to compartmentalize our lives and just, just give little bits and pieces here and there. Are those, the, this, why do we think God would be glad to have parts and not all? And listen, he's not asking us to pay him. He, he just wants to meet us and bless us and turn our hearts on the way they're supposed to be. How about this? If you take a $100 bill and you tear it in half, it is now no longer a $100 bill. And you say, you go try to pay for something like at, at Giant or if you're, a Christian at the, what is it called? The, the grocery outlet, even Hanover or West York, you know, right? We're, we're Christians biblically shop. All right, do I get free groceries for that? Is that a, yeah. Or how about this one? Let, let's get more free stuff. If you take, if you take a, a $10,000 bill and you walk into Gene Latta Ford, we're Christian shop. And you say, that used truck looks sweet. And then you tear it in half and you hand it to Steve Latta himself. What you've just done is, is that you have devalued the money. It no longer works. And Steve is just like, or whoever is just saying, or the, the person ringing up your, your bill is saying, like, you can't take this and tear it in half and give it half to me. Well, it's only $5,000. I tore $10,000 in half and I gave it to you. But, but what you've done is you've devalued the whole thing. You, you've, you're, you're, your partial gift is making the entire thing worthless. 
Guys, I, I, I'm not trying to just shame us into obedience. I'm just saying the way that Christianity is designed is that you get on your face before you, God and you say, say, God, imperfectly, I give you all. You can come in, and this is, there's a sanctification process. It's not like you instantly become like Jesus and suddenly you're a holy terror to demons, all right? But, but, but and God graciously comes in and he takes the gift of your heart and he just begins to open you up to who he is. But faith is, it's not holding stuff back. If you have faith that you jump off a, a ledge and your bungee will hold you. You don't jump halfway. <laughs> You're just like, woo! Gonna enjoy the ride and trust and this bungee's gonna hold me. You don't sit on a chair halfway and then support yourself on your other leg. It's exhausting. It's, that's, chairs are made to receive all of your weight. Oh, oh, oh! If the chair breaks under it, it's fun. <laughs> Jesus won't, I promise, he can hold you. And all I'm doing today is I just wanna, I just wanna invite us guys to see Jesus as, as worth all you've got. Just, Jesus, I just wanna give you all of my heart. I think that, that some of us have received a gospel where faith was defined as just wanting to go to heaven had nothing to do with Jesus. And I'm just wondering if, if today, if today, if today, if some of us would receive Jesus as our treasure, not just the means by which he is the means, but he's also the goal. And many of us, we have never heard that. The church has rarely heard this. We use Jesus, but Jesus wants to be used. He wants to be used to bring you to him. And we try to use him to get to other things. That is what your treasure is. Whatever you use, Jesus, try to get. But it, Jesus wants to be used to bring you to him. It's beautiful. I love this. And maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm just not ready to do that. I just can't, I, I can't do that. Listen, you come to the right place. If we're not a church where our seats are full of people that are just not ready to give Jesus all, then, then we're, no, we're, not, we're not reaching people. We're not, we're, not, we're not operating in the heart of God. We've always got to be full of people that are just, just somewhere along the journey. And I get encouraged, though, when I read verse 21, as far as Jesus' interaction with the rich young man, that it says that Jesus, looking at him, not, it wasn't a quick glance. It was, it's not that he looked and then looking, gazing, staring deep into this man's heart. He's looking at him, and the Bible does not say that Jesus was disgusted by his dumb questions. The Bible does not say that Jesus was disgusted by his lack of faith. The Bible does not say that he was just disgusted with his pride and arrogance, that this, that you actually think that you could live according to all these laws, you arrogant, prideful. Jesus does not think that when he looks at this man. The Bible says that looking at him, he loved him. He loved him. Listen, this this is enough right, right here to spin your heart into a massively weird orbit in the most beautiful possible way. Jesus, looking at you, sees you, stares at you, and wants you. Do you hear this? He looks at you, and he, now this is, he looks at you, and he loves you. 
but I really don't love him. I love my stuff more. Doesn't matter. As far as the heart of Jesus, when he gazes in your direction, his heart is full of love. You don't earn his love. He just freely gives his love. That's it. Jesus is loving a guy that, that is devaluing him. Jesus knows that he's about to choose his possessions over him. Does not matter to Jesus. Jesus still loves the man. Just the, the dishonor that comes along with that. Jesus is loving a guy that's dishonoring him. Does not matter to Jesus. When Jesus looks at this man, he still loves him. Jesus is looking at a guy that thinks he knows all the right answers when Jesus is the answer. Jesus is looking at a guy that wants heaven, not him. Does not matter. When Jesus looks at the man, he loves him. And I think that hearts would break in this house. I think all kinds of wonderful things would break out. If you stop trying to get to heaven and you just let your heart be ravished by one look in Jesus' face. If you just, if you don't know where to start, start here. Jesus is looking at you right now and he loves you and he wants you. And I wanna invite you, I wanna invite you right now that I wanna invite you to, to, to come to Jesus who will not disappoint your heart. Jesus is so worth it. The, the great cloud of witnesses around the church that has gone before us is cheering us on. They're screaming. He's worth it. Any price that you could pay for him, you won't be sorry. This is what the church should be screaming. Jesus loves you and he's worth it. He's worth it. Give all. You won't be sorry. And until you do, you've got a place that loves you. Man, what if the church did that? I love it. I love it. I think some of us here, though, need to adopt the heart of Jesus if we're feeling like we're, maybe some of us are here, we're feeling like we're being used, we feel like we're underappreciated. And I, I think the heart of Jesus is you look on the very people who are using you for your truck, or you look on the very people who are underappreciating you and, and just completely don't see your value and your worth. And you look on them and you say, I love them. I'm just, I'm just deciding today. It's just the heart of Jesus. I'm, I'm compelled to look at people today and just love them. Just love. This is the model that the church should operate in. When we look at others, it's just love. No matter how they've, no matter how they've used us or stepped on us, we're glad to be used if it means that they get to see Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hey guys, let's do something bold and crazy today. I want you to come forward if you'd like to receive Jesus as your treasure. If you've been devaluing Jesus by just wanting his gifts but not him, I want you to come forward today. I just want you to get on your knees right now as I pray, okay? So Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would embolden the hearts, that you would inspire faith in the house today to get out of seats and to say, I would rather have Jesus than the comfort of this chair. That I, 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 God, I want you in a, in a wonderfully desperate heavenly way. And I just pray that you would touch people in this place. I pray, God, that you would, you would look on people. And I pray that literally people like would feel your love wrapping them and just pouring on them right now. God, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you, God. Any part that we're holding back our hearts from you, God, today just grace us just to give you every single thing that we've got. We bless you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.